0: Good morning, it's March 1st and this is to my liberal friends. Now how many of you think Congress should be bundling huge amounts of legislation in a 4,000 page bill that nobody really has a chance to read? Do you think they should abuse the reconciliation process to conduct the nation's business in this manner? Now, The 2024 elections may seem like a long way off, but in reality, they're already starting. We will have a race for the White House as well as Congress. In the House, Republicans will be on the defensive as they try to either hang on to their majority or actually expand it going forward. In the U.S. Senate, it will be Democrats trying to generate some offense while playing defense with almost twice as many seats up for re-election. That means that the crucial toss-up states, where some Democrats might be viewed as vulnerable, will have fewer resources as the money has to be spread around. Now, the question I ask at the start of this podcast is one that should be addressed in every election. This is exactly what the Democrats did in the last Congress. Unable to change the rules in the Senate, and do away with the ability of members to filibuster bills they do not like, the Democrats turned to a budgetary maneuver that allowed them to pass a massive spending bill with only 50 votes plus the tiebreaker by, by the vice president. These bills are not written in the House and Senate committees as regular order process would dictate, but rather are constructed in the offices of the leadership and handed to the members as a take it or leave it proposition. The Democrats got some good news this past week when Senator John Tester announced he will run for re-election. In Montana, Trump won easily in 2020 with 56% to 40% margin. That means a Republican could pull the upset. In 2018, Tester edged to victory with just 50.3%, beating current Congressman Matt Rosendale. Most likely, experts predict that Congressman Ryan Zinke will be the candidate where he will face, and he won a close race in Montana's Montana 2nd District, but Montana 1st District, where Rosendale is, is solidly Republican. Tester is one of those Western Democrats who talk conservatively when he's at home in Montana, but he voted 91% of the time with Biden and was a reliable vote against Trump-supported legislation. Tester should be the strongest Democratic candidate, but most experts expect this to be a battle. One of the key issues in the last Senate was the efforts by Democrats to end the filibuster rule. They were blocked by Senator Joe Manchin and Senator Kristen Sinema. Tester has been on the fence on this issue, and so long as the other two were willing to block the change and take the spears, he kept himself out of the fray and out of criticism from National Democrats. But Democratic activists seem to think if he was the vote needed to change the rules, he would have been there to make the change. So I go back to where I started this discussion. So long as either the Senate or House is controlled by Republicans, there's no way that Joe Biden and his fellow progressives can ram anything through. There will be no use of the reconciliation process for the next two years because the House won't tolerate such a bill coming over. They've committed to returning to regular order and letting legislation originate in committees and then be brought to the floor of the House. No longer will Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi, now Hakeem Jeffries, be able to put together massive tax and spend bills and force votes on them. If the Democrats were able to retake the House of Representatives, keep the Senate, and Joe Biden be reelected, we would be right back to the same process where they would run roughshod over the minority and use the reconciliation process. This process was first put in in the Congressional Budget Act of 1974. and It was designed to streamline the budget process and allow for occasional expedited passage of legislation that was needed in the country but in my opinion, it's been used and abused by both parties. Under the Senate interpretation of the process, the Senate can consider three basic subjects of reconciliation, spending, revenues, and the debt limit. In a single bill, but a budget resolution can generate no more than one bill addressing each of those subjects. Realizing this process was being used and abused on a regular basis, in 2007, the Senate adopted the, quote, Conrad Rule, named for Senator Kent Conrad, a Democrat from South Dakota, which prohibited the reconciliation from increasing deficits. Read that again. They could not increase deficits. But in 2016, they repealed that rule. Now, just imagine if the Conrad rule was still in place in the last Congress and those massive spending bills that Democrats were were proposing and passing could not increase the deficit. We as a nation could have saved ourselves a lot of money that ultimately came more debt. If the members of both the House and Senate were truly interested in representing the people that elected them, they would mandate a return to regular order and prohibit both the use of reconciliation process and the use of omnibus bills that seemed to pass at the end of every Congress. Return to regular order where bills introduced and referred to a committee. The committee would then hold public hearings of the legislation, allowing those affected by the legislation to state their positions. They would then be marked up in the committee, it's the normal process that allows members of the committee to offer amendments. They can debate the merits of the amendments, and if a sufficient number of the committee support the amendment, it's included in the bill. Then the legislation will be sent to the floor of the House or Senate where once again there is debate and the ability to offer amendments. Finally, if the bill gains enough support, it is voted on and passed, sent to the other body. In the end, both houses pass the bill, there's a conference to work out differences, and finally, after passage, the bill is sent to the President. That's regular order. This process is abused over and over and over and mostly in approach bills. Congress should mandate that all 13 appropriations bills be passed by no later than September 15th, giving Congress another 15 days until the end of the government's fiscal year on September 30th. This would eliminate the threats of government shutdown and brinksmanship that both sides seem to play. So it's time to start stalling and putting things in massive bills that nobody has time to read. We should never again hear what Nancy Pelosi said about one of those bills. Quote, we need to pass this so we can find out what's in it. Finally today, I want to talk about the Supreme Court taking up the challenge to student debt forgiveness that Biden is attempting to do. It doesn't matter really how you feel about this decision, and to be honest, I'm totally against it. I never borrowed any money going to school and worked in the steel mills of Pittsburgh every summer during the night. I then had a job while in school, and there was no job beneath me to take. I sold fuller brush, for those of you old enough to remember what that was. But the case is about what power the president has with regard to spending taxpayer dollars. The power of the purse lies with Congress, according to the Constitution. And that's exactly why some are challenging this decision in the courts. I was amused to watch Randy Weingarten, the president of the American Federation of Teachers, go into a rage and basically throw a hissy fit outside the court demanding they allow President Biden to go forward with his plan to relieve student debt. And when you look at the amount of money people can make to get student debt forgiven, it makes you question who came up with this idea. And what about those of us who did not borrow money, those of us who paid for a children's education without borrowing, and especially what about those who never went to college but without and went out and learned to trade and got a job in the real world. These are the kids that those who went to college and borrowed this money typically laughed at when they were in high school. They were the shop kids. Under Biden's plan, you could be able to cancel $10,000 in federal student loans if you were making up to $125,000 per year, or households, a married couple, earning up to $250,000 annually. The plan would give an additional $10,000 in debt cancellation to recipients of Pell Grants. Experts estimate the cost of this to be about $400 billion over the next three years. And that's according to the Congressional Budget Office, which is a bipartisan, basically nonpartisan organization. But think about that for a minute. A married couple with a student loan debt making up to $250,000 a year can get part of that debt forgiven. What percentage of people in this country do you believe make over $250,000 a year? The thrust of this challenge is what power the president has. If the court were to rule in Biden's favor, then what would be the check on this president and future president from spending money on anything they want without going to Congress for permission? Why have a Congress at all? Let's just declare the President King. This is the guts of the challenge. It is saying stop. Congress authorized the student loan program, and therefore only Congress can allow students to not not repay the debt that they owe. This has been to my liberal friends. It's been a little longer today. If you enjoy the podcast, Recommend to your friends and hit the subscribe button.